Folks, it's so nice to be in your home and to uh, speak to you about God's Word. You know, revival is one of my favorite topics. I love praying about it, speaking about it, reading about it as well. And so my invitation to you is come and wrestle with us for revival. Um, as I said a couple of weeks ago as well, that Jacob wrestled with God until God blessed him. And he wouldn't let God go. Uh, you can read that, 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 that chapter in the Bible as well. So in a sense, I would like you to wrestle with me for revival and not let God go on this one. We're trusting God to revive us and renew us and strengthen us as a church. Uh, revival doesn't start out there. Revival starts with you and me. When you and I are focused and are walking passionately with God and effectively uh, in His kingdom, then we will see the lost being saved. So that's my encouragement to you as well. Come and wrestle with us for revival. We have had awesome, awesome, awesome times of prayer. Um, we have prayed at the prayer wall. We have um, believed and we still believe in God for revival. We're going through 21 days of, of the Daniel fast together as well. So we're trusting God that God will renew us and we're doing daily devotions on that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, uh, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and heal their land. Remember last week I said to you that all of us, in some other way, we are crying out and say, Lord, will you heal our land? Lord, will you do something? Will you renew us? Will you, will you do a miracle here in our land? Uh, maybe your cry is uh, for God to heal because you see the corruption, you see the lawlessness, you see the virus. Whatever it is that is in your heart, or maybe a number of these, is Lord, heal our land. And, and, and last week I gave you some uh, scriptures where it indicates that God says, I will make you a promise, but I will also give you the condition. So if you keep the condition, if you meet the conditions, then I will keep my promise as well. And in this verse, whenever you see if, you already know that a condition uh, is coming and, and, and a promise is following. So it says, if my people, so we are waiting for the promise. If my people, and the condition we're going through step by step now as well. So if we want God to forgive our sins, if we want God to hear from heaven and come down and heal our land, then the ifs, we must meet those conditions. Last week I said, if my people will humble themselves. And today I'm going to take you to the next condition. If my people will pray. If my people will pray. You know, I think... Uh, and I say it tongue in cheek, but if you really want to have an empty service next week in your in, in your church, then just announce that we're going to pray for half an hour. Most people will just not come. A couple of years ago, we prayed uh, in every service, like 10 or 15 minutes. I would just say, come on, break up and pray together. And some people stop coming to church because of that. And I think if my people will pray, we need to motivate and encourage one another to pray. We know that revival means that we want to see an improvement in a condition, an awakening in a church community. Um, and, and, and that is exactly it. There's a need, I think, not only in our own church, but churches to be revived and to, to, to have that awakening in us personally and in our church as well. So we're praying. Uh, we've got to meet the conditions. We've got to meet the conditions. Uh, you know, um, uh, the, 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 I'm convinced, it is my conviction that this church, our church, but churches, our land needs revival. We are not on the incline spiritually, folks. We are on the decline. We've seen it over the last year that the, those who are committed, those who are faithful are less 
than those who gathered together with us before COVID-19. So I'm not referring to numerical growth when we speak about revival. I'm, I'm referring to passion, I'm referring to commitment, and I'm referring to effectiveness. That is definitely lacking in the church today. And I'm talking church universal as well. The church needs revival. The church needs revival because we are falling and failing in the area of humility. That's what I spoke about last week. But the church also needs revival, my dear friend, I believe, because we are failing in the area of prayer. You see, we are not wrestling with God. We're not gathering in the throne room of God to talk to Him on our knees. Like uh, Paul says, I bend my knees in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, I bend my knees. For this reason, I bend my knees. We're not doing that before God. So we definitely need revival because there's a lack of prayer. There's a lack of a willingness to pray and even a passion to pray as well. You you don't measure the temperature of your church, my friend, by, by the loudness of your music or the, the, the enthusiasm of your pastor. You don't measure the effectiveness of your church by, by even the involvement of people in worship. I think prayerlessness is definitely a measurement of the effectiveness of a church. Prayerlessness is a, a sure sign that there is a, a, a lack of personal and corporate revival. When we don't pray, It is a definite sign. Prayerlessness is one of our enemies. And like I said, most of us battle in the area of prayer. We struggle with it. And I want to encourage you to develop and strengthen your prayer. Because as your wife would say to you, you're not communicating. You're not talking with me. So I think God is sitting in heaven and saying, my kids, you're not talking to me. You're not communicating with me. So the temperature of every church is measured in its prayer meetings. If we want to a revival to come into our lives and into our church, we've got to be on our knees before God. Um, so our personal prayer and our corporate prayer needs to be strengthened. Let me highlight a couple of things that I believe are hindrances when it comes to our prayer life. Uh, and for God to even hear our prayers. And some of them are obvious. The first reason why, the first thing that is a hindrance in our prayer life is when we ignore God's word. When we ignore God's word. Listen to what it says in Proverbs chapter 28 verse 9. If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Wow. Even his prayer is an abomination. You know, in other words, God is saying, if you turn your ear away from hearing my law, if you're ignoring my word, then even your prayers is an abomination to me. God places such a high priority on his word so that if we ignore that word and if we, if we refuse to hear what God is saying through his word, if we refuse to be willing to obey, if we selectively obey God's word, then God says your prayer will even be an abomination. Another translation says your prayer will be detestable to the Lord. Those are very, very strong words. So Proverbs, the Bible, God is bringing us back and saying, if you want me to hear your prayers, you better place a high value on my word. It includes the Bible's authority as God's revelation to you and me. It includes the fact that this is the 
unfallible word of God to you and me. It includes the fact that all of this that God is saying in here is there for us to obey and for us to want to obey. You see, if you reject, my dear friend, the primary communication from God to you and me, you're actually rejecting the real Jesus. Because that is who is revealed in this Bible to you and me. So God says, if you neglect and ignore my word in totality, then your prayers are detestable. Your prayers are an abomination. Let's go on to the second thing that will hinder our prayer. Unconfessing. Unconfessing, I think, is one of the, the greatest killers of our prayers. Unconfessing actually uh, um, show that we disregard God's word. We disregard God's laws. And, and it's really offensive to God as well. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Interesting. Another translation says this. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not listen. You know what? I have some rifles that I, that I, that I use for hunting. And, and you always... And uh, you always check the barrel to see if there's anything inside that barrel that, that, is, that could be a blockage. And you would clean that out before you would use that rifle. And, and prayer, sin, is actually exactly like that for us as well. Is when we, when we want to talk to God and there's hindrances in the barrel, it's something that blocks us from communicating with God. So you've got to remove those hindrances. The word cherish here, if you cherish wickedness in your heart the lord will not listen to you that word cherish means that i love sin i don't i don't even confess it i don't see it as serious i love it i, I keep it in my heart um you know the bible says to us that your prayers will be unanswered and so many of us may come to god today and say lord why are you not answering my prayer well the question is is are you placing a high value on on god's word is there unconfessing? Are you cherishing sin? Is there sin in your life that you're saying, you know what, God will really be okay with this? The Bible says your prayers, our prayers will not be heard if we cherish iniquity. In other words, holding unrepented sin in our hearts, in our lives. As believers from time to time, we struggle. We struggle with, with a, a reoccurring sin in our lives, don't we? Now, I don't believe that this verse specifically speaks to that. If we really struggle to give it up, God does listen. And God gives us the energy and the power to deal with it as well. But sometimes we willfully harbor sin. We don't even struggle. We just think it's okay to do that. God will show his grace and God will understand. The Bible says if you regard wickedness in your heart, unconfess sin. If you cherish it, then I will not hear your prayer. Obviously, the good news today for you and me is if there is sin that you know about. The Bible says, if you forgive your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Thank God for that. Cleansing me from all unrighteousness. You know, Corrie ten Boom, who lived many, many years ago, was an amazing woman of God, a Dutch lady, said, if you confess your sin, God takes your sin, throws it in the deepest end of the sea, and then puts a board up there, no fishing. He cleanses you. Jeremiah 31, verse 34 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will re remember their sins no more. Isn't that amazing? 
Isn't that amazing? Where you and I can forgive, but we really battle to forget. God says, I will forgive and remember them. I will throw it into the deepest end of the sea, and I will not remember it. You better not go there then as well. Not only has God forgiven us when we confess our sin, but God truly forgets our sins. He blots it out like it never happened. That's the freedom that you can experience when you confess your sin. And at this stage, when you do that, your relationship with God is restored and your prayers are heard by the Lord. Our past actions may still have consequences, but the sin will be forgiven and God will hear our prayer. Number three, the third reason why our prayers will be hindered is because we desire wrongly. James chapter 4 verse 2 to 3 says this, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You see, James make two, uh, he makes two points here. He says, first of all, you don't get because you don't ask. And then he says, secondly, you ask with the wrong motives. You ask because you're just looking after number one. You're just looking after yourself. And isn't it true, come on, let's be honest, that most of our prayers are me, mine, and ours for myself. Lord, bless me. Lord, Lord give me. Lord, protect me. Let, Lord, do better for me kind of thing, Lord. You know, wrong motives. Spending it on our own passions. And some of us are not even asking. That's why God is, has, is not answering, because you're not even asking. And this is what James is saying, is we desire wrongly. We desire wrongly. We should learn what we should pray and how we should pray. And, and you know, most of our prayers should be focused not on ourselves, but on others, I believe, because that is unselfish. The fourth thing I think that will hinder our prayers is a lack of faith. And, and I want to be very careful here and be very gentle with you today because sometimes people have come up to me and say, Rolof, I'm not healed. Is it because of a lack of faith? Is there sin in my life? And I'm just taking healing as an example. And you know, yes, I know that there have been messages in the past that have said that. You do not get because you don't have faith. You do not get because you, there's sin in your life. And it well, may well be true. It may well be true. But, you know, I don't think it's always true. I don't think it's always true. Sometimes when it comes to this stuff, we just need to say, Lord, we don't understand. We don't understand. But let me tell you, let's move that aside. The lack of faith is an incredibly negative impact in a Christian's life. It has a negative impact in our life, the lack of faith. Without faith, prayer has no power. Prayer has no power. So if you're just mentioning to the Lord, if you're just rattling it off, if you're just doing your duty, if you're just saying your prayers, I dislike it when we say, I say my prayers, because I'm communicating with God. You see, even Jesus was powerless to perform miracles in Nazareth because of the people's lack of faith. James calls us not to doubt. And he says, if you doubt, you're like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not even think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Don't doubt. Have faith. Believe that God will answer your prayer. The word double-minded minded speaks of a, a, a condition where a person is emotionally divided, almost like he has two, two, two ideas, two souls, two ideas. You know, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. That person... Uh, will not receive what they're asking God for as well. So the condition makes a person unstable 
and incapable of hearing God and receiving the gift that God has for them. I want to talk to you about how to make your prayer life a little bit better. You know, we just talked about the hindrances in prayer. Let's, let's talk a little bit about how to, how to enjoy your prayer life. How to enjoy your prayer life. I think the first thing you've got to realize is you've got to become more aware of God. You've got to become more aware of God. The Bible says very clearly, He's everywhere at any time. He's everywhere. He's anywhere. You cannot move without God not being present in your life. And yes, that is a scary thought, especially because when we commit sin, that God sees, God knows, God is right there as well. But the good news of it uh, is that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, He will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, He will, he will be right where you are, and, and when you therefore talk to Him, wherever you are, even in the bathroom, wherever you are, God is right there listening to you. It makes your relationship grow stronger when you know that the person is omnipresent. When you drive, you can talk to him. When you walk, you can talk to him. I have a brother-in-law who goes on prayer walks for many, many years. I learned that from him. I now and then do that as well. He does it every day. And he just goes on a walk and he just talks to the Lord about the list of names. He has a little black book with people's names and things in that he's praying for. Now, I've also learned, my dear friend, that I, I go for a walk. And sometimes it may even sound silly. And I say, Lord, this tree is amazing. I love the greenery. I love the flowers. These roses are so beautiful. Yeah, Lord, the, the grass. I'm just so impressed with how this is just forming such a thick mat here. On my, in my garden. You know, whatever it is, my friend, talk to God like he's a friend. Talk to God like he's a friend. I, didn't, I wouldn't like it if I was God and my people just come and, Lord this and Lord this and Lord give me this and Lord bless me this and Lord this is another pain in my life. I would rather like them to now and then talk to me about just like being a friend as well. All right? I also want to encourage you. If you want to enjoy your prayer life, pray the word of God. We have got these prayer uh, these um, verses on the prayer wall at the moment, if you haven't seen them yet, where we just pray the Lord, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. That's what God says. And I pray that over and over over those people. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I have come to heal your wounds. I've come to heal your soul. I will restore your body. That's all verses in the Bible, you know. And, and pray the word of God as well. So be aware of him. Pray his word back to him because that's what he says. And in a sense, I remind him of what he has said. The next thing I think is important when it comes to making your prayer life uh, enjoyable is schedule it. Make a specific time for it. How oh, I'm too busy, Rulof. Yes, I know. We're all too busy, aren't we? But Jesus was also too busy. Can you imagine being Jesus and wherever you go, and I just read it this morning in the Bible, that somebody called him uh, to pray for his daughter, and then he would go. Somebody would say, Lord, heal me, and then he would heal. And he would be back and forth all over the place, praying for everybody, ministering to everybody all day long. But there were times in his busy schedule that he withdrew with all the demands on him. He withdrew. He found time to talk to his heavenly father. My friend, if Jesus needed to talk to his heavenly father, if Jesus, the son of God, if Jesus himself needed to set time aside to talk and hear from the father, because he says, I do nothing unless the father tells me to. If Jesus needed that, if he needed that schedule, surely you and I would need that as well. The Lord knows. He knows your challenges. And will give you grace because he's a good God. He will give you the grace because he's a good God. Make a specific time. 
Make a specific time. You see, put prayer in your schedule. Treat it as like vital and as important. Create a reoccurring event in your calendar. And thank God for, for, for the tools that we, that we have. An alarm that goes off and say, go read your Bible now. That's your appointment. See it as an appointment. Schedule it in your diary. You see, when you treat this, you treat prayer as important. It is like a meeting, an appointment with God. Make it a, an appointment with God on a daily basis. But also, in my own life, there is an appointment. But there's also a lot of times that I just talk to God right through the day. Right through the day. The next thing I think I want to bring to your attention in closing is in your prayer life, be consistent as well. Be consistent. You know, make that appointment a regular one. Be consistent. Stick to it. Like going to the gym, a muscle is not trained in a day. A muscle is not well trained if you do it once a month or once every now and then. It needs regular training to develop that muscle. And prayer is not developed overnight as well. You know, you can't get up. Uh, I, I used to, as a young believer, look at people and I think, I can't pray like this. How on earth will I ever be able to that point? You see, but, but God says, listen to this verse that we're dealing with in, in 2 Chronicles 7, chapter 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Prayer is a condition for revival. If you want to see the Lord heal this land, you've got to be consistent. You've got to schedule your prayer. You've got to be, make sure you're right with God when you pray so that we, God hears our prayers and our prayers are not an abomination to God. If my people, you say, Rulof, I'm struggling to pray long. Well, then start with a minute. Start with two minutes. Because in Zechariah 4 verse 10, it says, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Even in your prayer life, don't despise those small beginnings. Just start doing it. You see, it would help you to be more consistent in your prayer if you have a commitment, if you have a time that you said in your diary. And even if maybe if you have peers that check up onto you to see, uh, keep yourself accountable as well. You see, in, in Mike Bickle's book, Growing in Prayer, he says this, As we come to know God as our tender father, and Jesus as the bridegroom king, we are energized to see God with all our strength and to experience new delight in our relationship with him. As we come to God our Father, as we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the bridegroom, as we come to be energized by the Spirit of God with all our strength, we will experience new dimensions in our relationship with him we will delight in him have you talked to god this morning have you talked to him today have you read his letter to you his book to you his bible are you willing to obey it so that he will not detest and find your prayers an abomination are you willing to confess the sin and get rid of it are you willing to come with him to him in faith are you willing to say lord I, I will desire what is in your eyes right and pleasing and change my prayer life even if I have to. Lord God, I pray that in Jesus' name you would help us to grow in our prayer lives. If my people will pray, if my people will pray, that we would not shun away, move away from prayer meetings, but that prayer meetings, personal and corporate, would become something that we so look forward to on a, on a regular basis. I ask that in Jesus' name. 
We want communion with you, Lord. Amen.